Merkel Media. You think that I'm running in place? Y'all really testing my patience. Right before I blow up the spot, I had to get back to the basics. What if my talent is wasted? You see what I'm lacking to place me? Since I rap in the basement But my come up is legend, is greatness I don't care now, it's pedal to the metal I can never quit now, I will never settle Puppet to the game, I'm pulling strings like Geppetto We in the same game, but I'm on a different level I passed it, gotta keep grinding till I'm laid up in the casket No fake round, but you feeling too plastic Yeah, y'all feeling too plastic They say my style crazy, but then it's straight jacket Whoa. Why you still testing my patience? Trying to turn me into something I ain't trying to be All the haters in heavy rotation You gon' lose yourself, quit testing me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Cause I'm looking like Wesley, test me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Welcome to Run It Back Philly. No frauds, no fanboys, no intros, you know the drill. Algo gang, I need you to hit the like button on this stream, all right? I'm up here multiple times a day. I'm now doing two separate channels, Run It Back Philly and Run It Back Birds. Uh, We got the Patreon popping off. We're doing the podcast on the audio side of things, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all other podcast platforms. And I got something else coming for you that I can't announce yet. Something very interactive that I think you're all going to love. But I'm doing a lot of things for free. All I ask is that you hit that like button. That's it. That's all I ask. Give me 500 likes on this episode of Run It Back Philly. Be sure to check out the podcast. Speaking of the podcast platform, audio mastered by Merkel Media. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all other platforms. Search Run It Back Philly, type in Sixers, you'll see my face, boom, right there. First page, second page, we're, we're in there. We're next to, right, to Ricky Sanchez, Keith Pompey, Kyle Newbeck, everybody with pool, we are there. Got no business being there, but we're there because you got me there. All right, shout out to everybody for that. Yeah, let's get into this, man. This game, uh. I don't want to say it was meaningless because, you know, it's still kind of the beginning of the regular season. But I'm not going to say the game is meaningless. The fact that, of course, you know, the Sixers are playing the Warriors. Steph Curry's not playing. Hurt his shoulder two nights ago. That sucks for us. I I at least wanted Steph to play. The Warriors haven't been playing great this season. Uh, then you get then you get Draymond Green questionable. And Andrew Wiggins questionable. We find out nobody's playing in the damn game. And it should be, it should that should make this game meaningless. But seeing how this team has played down to competition, uh, my whole life, but you know, recently, especially this season, the beginning of this season, seeing how this team has played down to competition, it's not a meaningless game because you're looking at it like, okay, yeah, the Warriors are playing without Steph Clay. No, Clay was playing without Steph uh, Wiggins and Draymond. But we still need to see if the Philadelphia 76ers can handle a team that they're supposed to handle, right? I guess that's how you can assess games like this. Do the Sixers go out and perform the way they should perform and easily take care of a team that has no business being in the game with them? Now, we're still playing without Tyrese Maxey. Tonight, we're playing without uh, 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 Tobias Harris, who has been a major, major part of this team so far this season, especially with all the injuries. You talk about the Harden sitting out for a month, Tyrese Maxey with the foot, Embiid missing some games. A lot of those games where we said it was our bench against everyone else, we still had Tobias Harris. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, me, a lot of other people, I I say what I think about Tobias's game sometimes, uh, but I think he is overlooked as a high-level NBA talent. Like in All-star level, maybe not, but I will say a high-level NBA talent. So when you're without Tobias Harris, you're going to notice things within the game 
that I guess you take for granted when he's on the court, right? So there's a, there's a lineup here in this game in the fourth quarter that was that was uh, that was uh, Shake Milton, DeAnthony Melton, James Harden, PJ Tucker, Joel Embiid, and somebody on Twitter said, "What is this lineup?" And my response was, "What lineup is supposed to be out there, bro? We don't have." Maxi or Tobias. Who are you supposed to play? You know, so I just wanted to put that in perspective that we also are still playing with injuries. So it's not like we were a fully healthy, full roster, full potential team against the Warriors without their guys. We're still missing some guys. But with James Harden and Joel Embiid healthy and playing at the level that they're playing at, you should be able to easily take care of the Golden State Warriors without Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins. And I think the Philadelphia 76ers did just that in this game. So that was the first thing that I wanted to look for in this game. You know, a depleted team in the Warriors. We played down to competition a lot. Can we come out and look clearly like the stronger, more talented, more experienced, better team. I don't know about more experienced. Well, yeah, more experienced because they're playing a lot of of young guys. So, yeah, can we come out and look like the superior team like we're supposed to look like? And I think we did that. Now, the reason the game, you know, we won 118 to 106. I don't know what goes on with opponents when they're about to play the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know what they do before a game. I don't know what they eat for breakfast. I don't know what their preparation is. But, you know, is it just me being a Sixers fan? Does this happen to other teams? I just feel like guys come out against the Sixers with with a different level of intensity. I feel like dudes that average five points a game for their entire career just Step on the floor and play against the Philadelphia 76ers like they like it's their like it's the last game they're ever gonna play. You know? And they just ball completely out. So the first quarter of this game it was nonsense. The first quarter of this game did not make sense. The first quarter of this game was 2K on Hall of Fame difficulty or 2K. You know, when they when, when your opponent online has five diamond cards and you're playing with the scrub like blank cards that they gave you to start the game, they're balling out with DiVincenzo and, and whoever else in the first quarter. You know, uh Kevon Looney. Uh it just made no sense. Like realistically, it looked like a video game. But when you watch that, you know that's not going to continue. You know. Um, look, the first quarter, the Warriors started the game four for four from three. DiVincenzo started the game four for four from three with 12 points in six minutes. DiVincenzo finished the first quarter with five three-pointers shooting 100% from three. And I tweeted and I said, the Warriors are shooting 76% from the field and DiVincenzo is five for five from three in the first quarter of the game. These boys are about to start bricking. These boys are about to go so ice cold, they're not going to know what hit them. And that's exactly, exactly what happened. Dave Vincenzo had 15 points in the first quarter on five three-pointers. It was nonsense. Dave Vincenzo scored three points. No, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. Dave Vincenzo scored Two points the rest of the game. (laughs) So your boy DJ Eastwood was on the money as usual. I said, bro, these dudes are shooting the lights out. These dudes are playing way above their level of play. They're about to hit a brick wall. And they did exactly that. DiVincenzo in the first quarter, 15 points on five three-pointers. Scores two points the rest of the game. And I really don't think it was our energy. I really don't think it was, you know, people were saying it, it's the, it, the Sixers perimeter defense, this or that. You can watch a game and just see dudes making tough shots. I thought we, I, I didn't think it was one of these games where we came out with no energy, where we came out and looked like we didn't care. I didn't think it was that. I thought we were playing hard. I thought we were trying on defense. These dudes were just making ridiculous shots. They hit a brick wall. All right. 
Jordan Poole finished the game with 29 points. Um, and you know, that was one of the main things coming in without Steph, without uh without Wiggins, without Draymond, we were like, oh, Jordan Poole's about to have a 60 point game. He's about to have a career high. He's about, you know, finished with 29. Um, and that's a good scoring night for him. He was 10 for 20. That's efficient. He was four for nine from three. He was five for six from the free throw line. It's a good night for for Jordan Poole. But really, that's it when you talk about the Warriors. And there was times in this game where we let up. There was times in this game where we had a lineup in that just didn't look good. Uh, when Joel was off the floor for like most of the fourth quarter because Glenn played him the entire third quarter, there was certain certain distribution, certain certain lineup decisions that I'm not sure I was too big of a fan of. Uh, but for the most part. The Sixers took care of this Warriors team the way that they should have. The Warriors made a couple of runs late that had me saying, that had me saying, uh uh-oh. Had me saying that. A couple of runs they made late had me saying, uh uh-oh. Had me going to to that back of my mind. This is still the Philadelphia 76ers. They still can blow this lead. But for the second game in a row now, they had a lead. They kept the lead. They put them away. They finished the game. You know, after a couple of uh, uh, performances earlier this season where we had big leads completely fell apart, we are now getting leads, holding leads. Every team's going to go on runs. Doesn't matter who you are. You still have NBA talent. You're still going to have guys that, that hit threes, get a couple of turnovers, run some fast breaks, make runs. But now, consistently for a couple games in a row, we've gotten leads and held leads and didn't completely fall apart. So I'm happy the way that they finished this game also. Uh, Joel Embiid, you know Joel Embiid. He's completely unstoppable. It is what it is. He, he's completely unstoppable. He's becoming a facilitating center. And that's scary for the NBA. Uh, Joel finished with four assists in this game. He had four steals and two blocks. 34 points, um, you know, like Wiseman trying to guard him in situations. Looney, I think Looney, you know, he puts up a fight. He's a hard-nosed player. He, he He's going to give you great effort. But at the end of the day, it's Kavon Looney against Joel Embiid. Uh, Jamichael Green, there was instances where Jamichael Green ends up guarding Embiid one-on-one. Uh, Anthony Lamb, I mean... None of these dudes can guard Joel. Again, kind of a light night. This is the stage we're at. I'm going to say this every single post-game episode. I'm going to continue to say it every single post-game episode. This is the point that we're at in Joel Embiid's career. Where he's having a game that nobody's going to run to the internet and scream about. Nobody's going to run to Sports Center Top 10. Nobody's going to run to Stephen A. Smith or Max Kellerman or Skip Bayless or, or Shannon Sharp and say, did you see what Joel Embiid did last night? These are games that are completely quiet. Nobody will talk about it whatsoever. And he dropped 34 points. I need you to understand how serious that is. This guy is leading the entire NBA in scoring. And yeah, you don't get to play the Boston Celtics every night. You don't get to play the Milwaukee Bucks every night. You don't get to play the Miami Heat, Bam Adebayo every night. You don't get to play... People that teams that can strategically maybe stand a chance of slowing down Joel Embiid, you don't get to play them every night. You get to play a lot of teams that that just have to try to guard you with Mason Plumley and, and Kavon Looney. But Joel Embiid isn't even having an off night. Not he's not having an off night. He's dropping thirty four points and making it look completely normal and easy. He's averaging 33.5 points per game on the NBA season. It's still early in the season, but that number is relatively unheard of. Outside of James Harden in 2016, and like who? Shaq in 2000 and Wilt Chamberlain. Michael Jordan, I'm sure, had games, had seasons like that. Mid-30 points. Uh, It's still... Legendary numbers. And it looks like, you know, when Joel goes against somebody like Mason Plumley, I I always bring up Mason Plumley because it's such an unfair advantage to Joel. But when Joel's going against somebody like that, or Kavon Looney and Jamichael Green, 
it you know when you see it on the court or when somebody who's probably not a Sixers fan sees it, they'll be like, oh, but look who he's playing against. But you got to look at it the other way. He's so good. He's so dominant. He's so skilled at his size. He's so unstoppable one-on-one near the painted area for most people on the planet that that leads you to say, oh, look who he's playing against. You feel me? It's the same situation with the Philadelphia Eagles right now. They're so good completely on both sides of the ball and the quarterback and the offensive line and the wide receivers and the defense and the defensive pass rush and everything. It leads you to say, oh, but look at the competition. They dominated this team. They dominated that team. They did but they're dominating those teams because they are that good. Joel Embiid is dominating these players, Kevon Looney, Mason Plumley, whoever else, because he is that good. There is only a couple of players that exist. There's only a couple of human beings that exist that can slow him down with a basketball. And lately, lately, it doesn't look like there's even two and a half of them. Steven Adams, I said, was was one of the only, is one of the only guys in the NBA that can guard Joel Embiid. He scored thirty four on Steven Adams. And Lakers, Anthony Davis, he put up thirty eight. Like we're, uh, he he dropped thirty plus against Giannis in a, in a win against the Bucks. We're at the point now where I'm like, Joel is inside his prime. He is one hundred percent in his prime and healthy right now. And again, the window is not very large with a player that's been injured a lot of his career. But when he's healthy, at this stage of his career, he might just be completely unstoppable. He might average 32-plus per game the entire season. And again, how's he not on MVP list? I need to know how he's not on MVP list. Don't give me the record argument because they got Luka Doncic at number three. Don't give me the missed games argument Because they got other players on that list that miss games. I need to know how Joel Embiid is leading the NBA in scoring at 32 plus points per game and is not on anybody's MVP list. Anyway, Joel did Joel things tonight. 34 points, made it look easy. 10 for 12 from the free throw line. 13 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks. Masterclass, but he's so damn good that it feels normal and people start to take it for granted and people start to just feel like that's what's supposed to happen. I guess I'm lately like having the perspective of we're not appreciating what's happening on our TV screens every night. We're not appreciating it. People don't appreciate these things. You know, when Jordan was in his prime, I was a very young kid, but I remember people older than me saying he's a ball hog. He doesn't pass. He gets this, this, and this. The officials give him this call. This, this. There's a whole. There's always negativity. There's always these people that just want to. They see something great happening, and their their initial their mind initially goes to how can I discredit this? How can I try to bring this down and make it seem like it's not as great as it as everybody thinks it is? That's what people do with Joel. Well, he needs to get under the basket more. Well, he needs to do this better and this better and this better. Do you understand? This is a seven-foot-tall, 280-pound human being handling a basketball and scoring 32-plus points per game in an NBA game. We need to to appreciate these things. It's little things that I see, too. There was a play today that won't be shown anywhere. Won't be shown on ESPN. Won't be shown anywhere. But I need to talk about these kinds of things. As simple as this. Joel Embiid, somebody kicks the ball up to him after a rebound right about half court. This is a 7-foot, 280-pound center. He takes a dribble. He hesitates at the three-point line. Little shoulder shimmy. Little little Kevin Durant takes a left-handed dribble and hits DeAnthony Melton on a no-look pass to the basket for a wide-open layup. You got a guy that size that can pseudo play like a guard. I could rant about this all day. 
I think Joel Embiid is one of the most amazing talents I've ever seen exist in my life watching basketball. And I guess I'm just going to be frustrated kind of his whole career that people don't appreciate what's in front of them. And the older I get, the, the, the more I realize that these things are gone like that. I've, I've been old, I'm old enough now that I've seen players in college be drafted, watch their whole NBA career, and watch them retire. And once you start to do that, you start to realize this doesn't last very long. That's all I'm saying. I'm getting deep on you guys here wearing the shades on a Friday night. Man, I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, James Harden in this game. James Harden had 15 points in the first quarter. Um, and look, I thought James, I thought James, uh, James is back a little bit. You know what I mean? James is back a little bit. And obviously that's great for us. Uh, the, the article comes out today of, uh, of all of the things that happened in the offseason. And, you know, James disappeared for a couple of weeks after the Miami series and he was down on himself and he didn't feel like himself. And he said, it's time to get back to being James Harden. And, you know, he knows that he's not a superstar anymore. He knows that he's not the kind of guy that you're going to completely build a team around. And he's fine with that. But he said it's time to get back to being James Harden. And he started this game out hot. He was five for eight from the field. First of all, eight field goal attempts in one quarter from James Harden. I love that. You know, and, and it's not just him having his legs back and having his game back. It's it's. It's the confidence level. You know, you can be the best player in the world. You can be one of the best players in the world like James Harden was. You can still get to a point where you lose your confidence, where you your 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 shot doesn't feel good. You're not getting the elevation. You're shanking the thing off the right side, the left side short, and you lose confidence in your own shot. And uh that's that's what I saw last year in the playoffs. And I'm seeing right now the confidence is back for James Harden. I remember a playoff game last year where he shot two shots in the second half, and and we weren't happy about that. We straight up weren't happy about that. We're like, why is this guy not shooting the ball? That's a confidence thing. Now you're getting James coming out of the gate, putting up eight field goal attempts in one quarter. You got to be happy about that. And he went five for eight, three for four from three, uh, had two free throws uh, and an assist. But 15 first quarter points from James Harden, I was I was I was ready for it. I was ready for it. I wish he would have kept it up. I was ready for it. I tweeted and I said, if James Harden drops 40, I'm flipping a cop car in Hershey PA. And you know, lucky for me and my legal situation, he did not drop 40 and I didn't flip a cop car in Hershey PA. Uh because there's 47 cops in Hershey PA and no crime. So they would have been all over me. Uh, so James, he didn't keep up that scoring, but um, I just love what he looks like right now. I just love what he looks like right now. You're not going to get Houston Harden. You're not going to get ISO super quick drive dunking on people, James Harden. But what I saw last season and my assessment at the end of the season was all you need is is James to be the facilitator that he is and to be a scoring threat when you really need it. That's all you need around Joel Embiid at all, period. You know, for for really for your team to be successful. You need the guys on the perimeter to be able to, when Joel's getting doubled and tripled or teams are running zone like the Warriors were tonight, you need teams to be able to, you need players on the perimeter to be able to take it and make the defense pay. You know, we're going to double, triple Embiid or run a zone. Guess what happens when you run a zone? You're telling that team, make some three-pointers. And we did that. There was plays where DeAnthony Melton caught the ball in the corner, and I, I screamed it. Got to make this. Got to make this. When you see that zone come, and you see Joel catch the ball around the free throw line, and you see that quick double of the zone, and you, you're, you're, you're telling the other team, beat us with threes. And you see DeAnthony Melton catch it in the corner, or P.J. Tucker, or George Niang, you got to make that. Because you have to make that defense pay for running zone. If you keep making them pay for running zone, guess what? They got to stop running zone. If you can't make those threes, they can keep running zone all day. So James and anybody else on the perimeter, you just need to keep making the defense pay. And uh, I just think this is a very, this is the version of James Harden that can take us far because he's the facilitator that we know he is, but he's gotten back to being a scoring threat. 
that can make defenses pay when they say, all right, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at Joel, make somebody else beat us. Oh, you got James Harden over there. You got James Harden over there. You know what I'm saying? Andy Walken, thanks for the super chat, man. Says, man, I love this team. Shout out to DeAnthony Melton. Yeah, Mr. Do Everything, man. DeAnthony Melton, Mr. Do Everything. Uh, I was thinking about DeAnthony Melton as I was watching this game, and I was saying, like, you know, he's one of those guys that I feel like nobody can talk bad about. Nobody. He's one of those guys nobody can talk bad about. And you know why? It's because he gives you 110% every single play. You know, when they talk about Philly fans and they say, oh, you guys just, all you guys ever do is hate your own players and run talent out of town. Like we randomly, every once in a while, just pick an all-star player to hate. You know, when the whole Ben thing was going on, the Ben stands were acting like that. They were acting like, oh, you guys just randomly hate Ben Simmons and want to get rid of him and run him out of town. Like, no, we hate him because of how he plays the game. We hate him because of what it looks like on the court. The effort is just not there. And when when a hard-nosed blue-collar talent like Philadelphia sees a $200 million 22-year-old who doesn't look like he's trying to play hard, we are going to hate him. So you see a player like DeAnthony Melton out there. This is the kind of guy Philadelphia fucking loves. Loves. A video came out the other day of the Sixers like walking down a hallway, play, Sixers players walking down a hallway and walking up to this uh this poster that was in the hallway that 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 had like the Sixers best jerseys and they were like walking by like picking which jersey they thought was the best. But that's not the point. The point is everybody had flash, you know what I mean? Tobias walks up with his I don't know, man, some kind of designer shit on and a Gucci bag and Harden walks up with some shades and some whatever he's wearing. Everybody's flashy, everybody looks like a damn uh, you know, two, 2022 hip hop artist, the Anthony Melton just walks up in a sweatsuit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this dude doesn't, he's not for the spotlight. He doesn't want attention. He doesn't like you, you almost would completely not know his name. If people weren't telling you his name, he's just a basketball player, but he's a basketball player. That gives you a thousand percent on both sides of the court every single play. Mr. Do Everything. And he's going to be Mr. Under, underappreciated probably his whole career because he's like that, because he's so subtle, because he's so not in the spotlight and doesn't really care about the spotlight, doesn't care to be flashy. You're not going to see him try to do some kind of fancy dribble move, anything. He just plays basketball and plays basketball hard and has success because of that. I love that dude. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but I feel that way when I see a bunch of players walk down a hallway and DeAnthony Melton just has a sweatsuit on. He's just like, yeah, I'm that guy. (laughs) You know what? I care so little about this attention. You're lucky I even have a sweatsuit on. You're lucky I even got out of bed and came here to this thing, whatever we're at. But he finishes with 17 points. He had a couple of corner threes that were that were big-time clutch. Like I said, when the Warriors are running a zone and you need a guy to make a shot, and Embiid kicks it over there. Melton hit a couple of them. Um, I'm always going to love DeAnthony Melton's rebound numbers. And if if DeAnthony Melton was six foot seven. His rebound numbers will be good. You know what I'm saying? I say it a lot, but rebounding equals effort. All you got to do is look at a player's rebounding numbers to, 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 to assess whether or not that player was giving the extra effort in a, in a basketball game. Because that's what it is. It's extra effort. That's what a rebound is. It's extra effort. It's after the play. The play is over. A lot of guys, oh, that shot's off. I'm going to jog down the right side of the court, see if somebody got it, can kick it up to me. The extra effort, guys, every single play, that ball comes off the rim, they're going and trying to get it. Nine rebounds for DeAnthony Melton. 
in 38 minutes, and that's right around his per 36. He averages eight rebounds per 36 minutes. And it, it, if he was six foot seven, that would be a good number. He's six foot two. He is a small guard that has no business having nine rebounds in an NBA game. But his heart and his effort level are off the charts. And that is a seriously, seriously valuable player to have on your basketball team. Because you can have the superstars. You can have the guys that are definitely going to get all the minutes, the guys that are definitely going to get the ball in the fourth quarter. You can have all those guys. Every team needs a DeAnthony Melton. Every team needs just a nitty-gritty little dude that's just going to give you 110% every play. You know what DeAnthony Melton is? I just thought of this. He's TJ McConnell, but he's good at basketball. He's TJ McConnell, but he's good at basketball. He can actually dribble. He can actually shoot. He can actually play defense. He can actually rebound. I love me some DeAnthony Melton, man. That's Mr. Do Everything right there. That's Mr. Do Everything. Uh, Matisse Thibel hit a couple threes in this game. I was happy about that. Of course, I love me some some Matisse Thibel making threes. Uh, you know, if he can make threes at a consistent, decent rate. He hit one three in this game. I'm sorry, he was one for three. Uh, I thought he hit two of them. I guess I was wrong about that. Um, if you can get Matisse shooting a decent percentage from three and just playing hard defense, that's all you need from Matisse Thibel. And he got 21 minutes in this game, so he's been getting some consistent minutes. I said, though, I said, you know, when Daniel House comes back, we'll see if uh, we'll see if uh, Matisse Thibel keeps his minutes. Matisse still still got uh, 21 minutes. Daniel House Jr. had 15. Um, I guess neither of them were better, were the better of the two, except Matisse is a better defender. And this is what I said a couple of days ago about Daniel House Jr. Um, or even P.J. Tucker starting, uh, or whoever else I was comparing him to. And P.J. played good defense in his game, too. Uh, I think I was comparing Daniel House and, and Matisse Thibel, and I was saying, what does Daniel House give you? What does he do on the floor? You know, even if you tell me Matisse Thibel and Daniel House's offenses are equal, are, are an equal negative five, I'm taking Matisse for his defense. You know what I mean? So I want to keep seeing Matisse get the minutes. Obviously, I love what he does defensively and, and how much he, you know, the offense struggles when he's on the floor. Uh, he blocked a Jordan Poole jump shot into the, into the second deck. I don't think I've ever seen somebody block a jump shot as hard as Matisse Thibel block this jump shot. And only Matisse can block jump shots like that because he's so quick from the ground to the ball that the guy shooting the ball has no idea that he's he's that close. There's screenshots on Twitter of Matisse Thibel so far away from a guy catching the ball and one second later he's blocking it out of bounds. He's a freak athlete. So he needs to be on the floor. Let him get a rhythm. We can go on a Glenn rant all we want about players not getting a rhythm, but let him get a rhythm. Let him make mistakes. Let him develop. I know that's a foreign word for Glenn Rivers, but let him develop, dude. Let him let him be out there missing layups. Let him because you don't have anything else anyway. Daniel House isn't giving you. What is Daniel House? Daniel House airballed a wide open three in this game. Wide open sh- monster airball. Uh, he hit one a little bit later, but I'd rather see Matisse have all of those minutes. I don't think Daniel House Jr. gives you much of anything. I don't think he deserves to be in the NBA at this point. I'm serious. Daniel House Jr. kind of looks to me like uh like a random kid at the park that was playing soccer, you know, and his friends are like, come on, bro, we're playing basketball. So he goes and plays basketball. Like, I don't know. I, I can't figure out how his, his, his mannerisms, the way his body moves, his jump shot form. Like, I don't like anything about Daniel House. Am I wrong for saying that? I think Daniel House Jr. would be acceptable if he was like an elite defender. Oh, look, Matisse Thibel. I really think that Daniel House is like that, uh, who was the dude that, that we had on our team? Corey Brewer. Remember Corey Brewer when we were playing the Houston Rockets and he was harassing James Harden and he was just going hard on defense, get, taking charges, getting offensive foul calls on the other team, doing all these nitty-gritty things. Like You can be a spastic like weirdo and be kind of terrible at basketball if you do those things. 
I feel like Daniel House is not good at really anything and doesn't give you that like spark of anything on the other side of the ball. I don't know why I just went on a Daniel House rant, but I don't know, man. I, I said it before. I'll probably say it in every episode. I just feel like you can find better players basically anywhere. I don't know how Daniel House worked his way onto this roster and is getting minutes in the NBA. <laughs> Yo, I think sometimes, like, uh, like, I mean, we're on YouTube, right? And this is the biggest search engine in the world outside of Google. And if you type in Sixers, my face is right there. So sometimes I think, like, do NBA players watch my YouTube channel? Like, do you think Daniel House Jr. or one of his family members or somebody sends him a clip? Like, bro, look at this guy talking crazy. <laughs> that might, that's very possible. That's very possible. Um, PJ Tucker was three for five in 26 minutes, did his usual thing of shooting three total shots. He did hit a corner three, but I saw James Harden hit him a couple times throughout the game and he kind of passed it up. He did the old, he did the old pump fake dribble pump fake pass thing that he does. Uh, but it wasn't a terrible game. You got seven points from PJ Tucker and he was playing really hard defense and PJ always plays really hard defense. He uses his body well for being a 6'5 center. <laughs> a 6'5 center. That's literally what P.J. Tucker is. P.J. Tucker is a 6'5 NBA center. Uh, yeah. Who else we got to talk about in this game? George Niang was, was meh. George Niang was 3 for 12 in this game. So George Niang was uh, that broken down Ford Windstar 1986 with the flat tire minivan tonight. He wasn't the he wasn't the Nissan whatever with the automatic dual sliding doors, built in DVD players, push to start, remote start. Uh, he was the old busted Windstar with the flat tire minivan tonight, and that's uh, just what you get with George Niang. He's going to be inconsistent. He's George Niang. You're not going to rely. You can't rely on him. You know. So I'm saying when when you have big games in the playoffs where George Niang gives you 18 points, you take it for what it is. But you can't say, oh, okay, we need George Niang to keep doing that. He's just, I mean, it, it is what it is. He's not going to keep doing that. You need to have a strong roster. You, you uh, George Niang, you can't rely on George Niang to give you 20 a game. You know what I'm saying? He was three for 12 in the game, two for eight from three. Uh, and there was a sequence. I, I that little run in the third quarter. Um where the Warriors started to make a little bit of a run, I saw a whole lot of George Niang. And I think when you have a sequence in a basketball game, you know, you just want George to be catching the ball and shooting it. You want other players to be making plays. You want George Niang to be that guy, that basketball player that's just there, catches the ball, wide open, shoots a three. But when you, when you watch a whole quarter and you start to say to yourself, I saw a lot of George Niang. I saw a lot of George Niang fast breaks, if that's what you call it, slow motion breaks. I saw a lot of George Niang trying to dribble drive. I saw too much George Niang, I feel like, in the third and fourth quarter. And just so happens, you know, the other team starts to go on runs when you see a little bit too much George Niang. That's all I'm saying. He wasn't good in this game. He'll get back. He'll have better games. Shake Milton, three for six. Uh, one for two from three, 11 points. Um, it's interesting with Shake Milton, man. How do you, how do you get out of Shake Milton what you were getting, you know, when the bench was basically when, when Harden and, and Embiid were out, you were getting like 25 a game from Shake Milton. How do you continue to get that level of production? I mean, you're not going to get that level of production, uh, but in 30 minutes, you know, you would think you would get a little bit more than 11 points and two assists or three assists from uh, Shake Milton. But I did think that there were certain parts of the game where we needed a bucket and Shake was that guy that gave us a bucket. And I really just think that's what Shake Milton is. He's another guy that's not going to do anything that's going to amaze you. Uh, you can't. He's a guy you can't rely on to score a certain amount of points, but he's a guy that can score. And when things break down and you're in that deep part of the game where you got a bench lineup in there, you need a guy like Shake Milton that can put the ball in the hoop. And, uh, you know, he's valuable to have. 
is valuable to have. There's not really much to assess when you think about this game. We played the Warriors without Steph, without Draymond, without Andrew Wiggins. We're without Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey. Can't even really believe that I talked for 45 minutes uh, about this game. But we're here. TNT family, what's up, man? Niang or Covington, who's better? Well, you got to go Robert Covington because he can play defense. You have to go Covington because he can play defense. But I like that you said that because you, you could compare the two on their level of inconsistencies, right? Like the, like when Covington had a good game, it was like 27 points, uh, seven for nine from three, uh, you know, six steals, couple of blocks. And when 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 Covington had a bad game, it was my God, 0 for eleven from three. Uh and just too bad to be on the court in an NBA game. So those two players are both probably as inconsistent as each other. But I definitely think you got to go Covington because he's a defender. Long arms, long wingspan, quick, steel guy, block guy. There's a reason he's there's a reason he's been on several NBA teams. Uh but there's a reason he's still in the NBA because he's just a valuable valuable role player. Um but I couldn't really stand watching Robert Covington, to be honest with you. I think it's because the Sixers in that time period had nothing really to talk about. So anytime a player did anything, we tried to make him a superstar. I remember somebody back then telling me Robert Covington's the future. <laughs> I remember a young Covington and somebody said Covington's the future. I thought Tony Roten was the future. So I guess you you know you put expectations like that on a player because your team doesn't really have anything going for it, and you and you tend to overvalue a player. Um, I was down on the lower level one time against the against the Cavs. Uh, LeBron James was in the building, and Covington was over nine from three in the first half, and he told me to shut up um, because it was dead silent, and I yelled. Covington stop shooting, you know, like just stop shooting. Um, and he legitimately looked over at me and said, shut up. But yeah, that, that's, that's my story about Robert Covington. I don't like being a lower level of, of NBA games also because uh, the lower level is full of like business people that don't really pay attention to the game or know anything about it. So I'm there like screaming at players and screaming at officials and yelling references you know if i yelled mr do everything down there nobody would know what i'm talking about i like this i like the upper level i like the second row with my people up there you know what i mean <laughs> he looked right at me and said shut up he was over nine bro stop shooting uh that's really all i have on this game man you guys got any questions comments concerns uh how should okay? I don't know what that means. A guy who can't create his own shot or shots for others at an elite level being the future is funny. Oh, and Covington misses the layup. I forgot, man. Dude, smoke the ghost. What's up, man? Robert Covington. There was a play that I used to post on Twitter all the time. It was the worst missed layup I've ever seen in my life. A fast break, and the dude like threw it at the f- side of the rim. Um, are we still on the fire? Are we still on fire, Glenn? Are we still on that? Like, I think the team is. You know, if if you were getting close to like losing these games, you know, if you were, if they would have blown this lead and went to overtime or something, I would have been mad about it. Um, now it is a Friday. You know, I had a couple of beverages earlier. And I've been I've been very active in the gym, which is boosting my my uh uh endorphins. You know, I've been happy lately. I've been in a great mood lately. So I think the Sixers aren't really affecting my mood as much. Um, and after talking about after talking with my dude, uh, Trill Bro dude of the of the You Know Ball podcast the other night, which by the way, if you haven't seen that episode uh, of the show, go watch that. He's a great dude. He's very in depth, and we had a long conversation. We were on here for about an hour and a half. But he really started to put it in perspective to me that this is still the beginning of the NBA season. And realistically, none of this matters. 
realistically, none of this matters. Realistically, nothing really matters until after Christmas. Like, nothing really matters. You know what I'm saying? Like, nah. Like, it's an 82-game season. It could be 60 games. You can kind of... You you basically can take the first 20 games of the season and start slow and come around right around halfway through the season and get it going and and be strong the second half of the season and make a playoff push and, and, and be healthy for the play. Like, you know, we I was freaking out after they lost to the Spurs the third game of the season and they were 0-3. And that's because they were supposed to be, you know, what they were sold to us is this this we're deep now, we're a championship level team, we're this, we're that. But we just we we didn't have the patience at the time because, you know, we thought they were just gonna come out looking like a championship level team and they came out looking like not that. Um but I think we're getting towards the point in the season where everybody's in basketball shape. Uh, Harden comes back from the foot injury, takes him a couple of games, but he looks like he's back to being James Harden right now. You know, uh, 15 in the first, but he finished the game with 27. Um, four for eight from three, eight for 15 from the field, nine assists. Of course, he makes that look light, look easy. Uh, so I think this team is getting. To the point where they 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 are uh, firing on all cylinders. Everybody's in shape. Uh, the chemistry's getting there. You know, I think they're getting there. I think the first twenty games of an NBA season in in this day and age is just let's just you know whatever. Take your time, whatever. Joel doesn't do anything in the offseason. Took him twenty games to get into shape. Most NBA stars sit out like 20 games in a season. So we're getting closer to the part of the season where it really starts to matter and uh, the attention really starts to to get put on the, on these teams and these games. And, you know, the Sixers games in January, there's a lot of good ones. You know, there's the Bucks, there's the Celtics, there's the, there's the uh, Brooklyn Nets on a Saturday night. There's... There's a lot of good games in January. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of big time attention, a lot of uh, media attention type of games coming up. So I think we're getting to that point of the season. Um, everyone, don't forget, let's go birds! Hey, let's go birds, bro! Don't cap. You know Doc will kill us. Our injury prone stars are playing forty minutes a game. They are playing forty minutes a game, but. Uh, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Joel played 35. Harden played 36. Melton played 38. Melton can play 38. Shake played 30. Um, look at the rest of this roster. You didn't have Tobias. You don't have Maxi. Uh, who 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 else on this roster is supposed to play minutes? You know, when you're really looking at this roster right now, Daniel House Jr. had 15 minutes. He's awful. If you play Daniel House 20 and you play Matisse Thibel 26, and you play Joel 30 instead of 35, and you play Harden 29 instead of 36, you're losing this game to the Warriors. I don't know. I would have to look at other NBA teams and see how much their 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 star how many minutes per game their stars are playing. Are you know, are they like is it that much? Let, let's let's just look at it because I really want to know. I'm not, you know what I mean? Lucha, you know I love you, man. I'm not really trying to argue with you. Uh, you're entitled to to what you're saying, and you you could be right. I just want to see like uh, you know, our, our other NBA teams playing their guys this many minutes. Uh, look, the Celtics, Jason Tatum, 38 minutes, 43 minutes, 36 minutes, 39 minutes, 38 minutes, 36 minutes, 41 minutes, 39 minutes. You know. Uh, and those aren't injury injury prone players. I agree with that. But but can you can you you know even if your players are injury prone, can you? Like put everyone on a minutes restriction, you're just gonna lose games that way. I'm telling you right now, if you play George Niang and Daniel House more minutes, you're losing the game. <laughs> Straight up. Giannis, 29, 36, 35, 32, 33, 35, 36. Eh. I, they are injury prone. I completely agree with you, but I'm just saying, like, what can you really do about that? You have to try to win NBA games, right? 
Shout out to Doc for not playing Furcon. <laughs> hey! On the hunt. On the money. Am I right? Anytime we get to watch a basketball game that does not include Furcon Korkmaz being on the court, we celebrate. <laughs> hey, man, listen. I need you guys to do me a favor. I need you to go to Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. All right? And I need you to search Sixers. Boom. S-I-X-E-R-S. Boom. And there's your boy right there on the second page. Run it back, Philly. I need you to click on that. I need you to scroll to the bottom. I need you to give me a review. Right there. All right? We got five stars. We got 59 ratings. Monday, Funky Bill left a rating on Monday. It says, simply the most entertaining, knowledgeable, and funny podcast that I follow. I actually look forward to hearing what DJ's take is post-game and on the overall state of the team. Just honest sports talk. Can't stand the bias of ESPN anymore. Run it back. Philly is all the way for me. That's a five-star review. If I could review that review, I would give that review five stars. So if you haven't left a review on the podcast yet, Please do that, all right? And please hit the like button on this. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to my thoughts on tonight's game, a game that uh, essentially was totally meaningless in December against the Warriors with none of their star players on the floor. The fact that 300 of you were here after the game is amazing. Thank you all for continuing to tune in. I sincerely appreciate the support. And I will see you guys soon. Also, if you like the Eagles content and you want to continue to get the Eagles content, it is now on Run It Back Birds, a separate YouTube channel for Eagles content from me because the YouTube algorithm doesn't work when you try to do two different things. So we got Sixers on this channel. Run It Back Birds is now all of the Eagles content. So if you're looking for the Eagles post-game show after the Eagles game on Sunday, you gotta be subscribed to Run It Back Birds. Quit testing me. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind. Cause I'm looking like Wesley. Test me. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind. Cause I'm looking like Wesley. Test me. Cause I'm looking like Wesley. Test me. Test me, test me, test me, test me, test me.